chapter 10, beginning in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. This morning, we're briefly going to look at this text and make a couple of points that I think undergird the rest of what we're going to do this morning. My plan this morning in this service is to uh, present to you the recommendation that comes from the elders to you as a church body that will be voted on next week, next Sunday morning, uh, at the close of the worship service. So with all of that, let's begin with the text this morning that we have and look at that for a minute. I preface all of this to take you back about 20 years. I'm not sure I couldn't get the exact date of when this happened. I tried this morning, but or this week actually, and tried again this morning and couldn't discern exactly the date of this particular event, but it was 20-something years ago. And it happened in the old sanctuary before we'd moved to this sanctuary. I had a memorial service, a funeral in the old sanctuary. And I distinctly remember sitting on the platform that morning or afternoon, whatever it was. I don't recall what time of day it was. But I remember looking out into the people who had come to that memorial service. person who had passed away had been here when I came in 1979. Part of the church, active in the church, Subsequently, had, had, uh, had moved away and had passed away and then was brought back here for the funeral. That's the setting. And as I looked out into that congregation, I, I just as clear as day thought, this is what this church would be had not God granted us growth over those 20 years because I've been here 40 or so. If, if nothing had happened, if everything had stayed the same and, and some had passed away, but there had been no really addition to the church body, this would be the congregation. And it was really small. And I, I sat there grateful for God's help, grateful for God's grace, grateful that God worked on our behalf to add to the church. And as I think about that this morning, coming to share with you this morning, the significance of, of days like that day helped me with this day, the, the things that I'm going to share today, um, to, to realize how significant they are in the life of the church. Um, also, it helps me with two things to keep clear in my mind as the pastor of this church, two very important things but they are needed to be kept separate, and one is more important than the other, and they come out of this text. So the first one is in the text. If you look at verse 17, it says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. The priority of the word, the priority of the gospel, 
being proclaimed, the word being proclaimed in this body is absolutely paramount. The power of any hope of conversion, any hope of of really adding to the church in the true sense of conversion and people seeing the glory of Christ, all of that lays on the foundation of the word. That is the power, the word. It's the means God has given us that he uses to bring people from spiritual death to spiritual life, from no faith to faith. It is the word of Christ. The scripture says very clearly, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so there'll be no true addition. There'll be no coming from death to life except the word is the means by which that occurs. And, and God uses it in different ways, in various ways, and uses different texts and different timings in it. But we have to understand that it is the word. That's why we are walking through the book of Romans. We, we're through chapter 1. We'll go into chapter 2 and in a couple of weeks and begin our trek again through the book of Romans because the, the Romans is, is the pinnacle of, of that gospel, of, of the clarity of that gospel and, and all that it means. And so Romans is so important that a righteousness has now come from God, that he provides for us all of the glory of that. And so that's the foundation. That's that's one thing as I come to events like that funeral that I, I must keep paramount in my mind as a pastor. And I think anyone who is a pastor of this fellowship, anybody who leads this fellowship must understand the word has to be the foundation of all of that. The second thing is that God uses another means. It's not the primary means. By any means. The primary means is the word. But there are secondary means by which I think God enables that gospel to be heralded. And I want to make the distinction between what I mean by primary and secondary, and then we're going to present some things to you. The secondary means is things like next generation ministry, ministry to youth and children, which I believe is, is, is core to what God has used for us to continue to be here as a body at Richland. Over the years, as I look back over that, it has been those commitment to those two things, to assist parents, not, not to be the primary um, person who implants that word, but parents plant it. We come alongside, assist parents to, to do that, supplement what they're doing, uh, affirm what they're doing, strengthen them to do it better, all of those things to plant the word in their children, but also to go to what I term as the least of these that we also have, I think, obligation to go to around us who don't have parents who bring them here on Sunday mornings. And over the years, God has helped us to go to the, the least of these. That's what I mean by the least of these, children and youth, and, and seek to, to come and and plant that word. God has to give the increase. God has to bring life out of that, but to do it. And over the years, it has been a commitment to those things that I believe God has used to to keep the church here. In fact, our DS was here last week. Um, Some of you met him. He'd never been here before. He'd never been to our church before. He's just newly elected. He came. In fact, this is... uh, he, he probably will kill me if I tell this story, but 
he came, he wasn't sure he had the right church. He came in, I don't know who met him in the foyer, but he, he, he thought he did, Richland, but he wasn't totally sure, and he thought maybe there were two Richland churches, uh, but figured out finally, yes, this is the church, and, and part of that was, he said later to me, you don't expect this in the country, you don't expect this in the country. I don't know all that he meant about that, but I think the gathering, the number of people that were here gathering in this place, not too many things close to us, and so he came, and, it, and the thing I believe with all of my heart that God has used to, to, to keep the church here, being able to plant the word and, and go to our communities and minister has been Next Generation Ministries. Now, let me, let me tell you how I see those two things different. I talked about two different means, but the, they're means that accomplish two different things. Let me, let me explain that. There was a quote, and then we're going to turn it to the resolution that we have to share. 500th year of the anniversary of the Reformation just just passed, and we taught some things on the Reformation. One of the things we did in that study was we we uh, looked at Luther's life and some of the things that he said. I'd never heard this before, but in that particular study, um, I I found that he said this. He said, "My job." This is Luther speaking to his seminary people that he was influencing, at that time influencing a bunch of young people, and a movement was being created by his theses on the Wittenberg door, and there was things stirring uh, in in the church world that were happening, and actually what was happening some was that some of these young seminarians were going into churches with sledgehammers and breaking down the alders, and Luther said, this is dangerous, I've got, to be care- I've got to be careful here. We've got to get control of this, th- what's happening here. And in, it's in that kind of context of what was happening and all that turmoil around 500 years ago when Luther rediscovered the gospel and the church rediscovered the gospel, he made this statement. He says, my job, this is part of, of, of helping these young people to understand, my job is to get the word to their ears My job is to get the word to their ears. It is God's who takes it from their ears to their hearts. That has been a really helpful statement for me, even as I come to share with you here in understanding all the ways God has worked over the years. But when I talk about the means now, the primary and secondary, what I first of all, primary means is the word. It it doesn't matter how many secondary and third and all kinds of other things you talk about being means of ministry. If you don't have the word there, it doesn't matter. The word is primary. The word is what brings life. So that's primary. We, we, We can never lose that. But when I talk about secondary, what I mean is secondary by this sense. The the means God uses, and I think next generation ministry for us, as I've already said, is the means that God has used over my ministry time here. And even before that, it wasn't that we came and told people how to do it. They were already doing it. We just stepped in and and began to fan that flame some more of of next generation ministry. When I came here, there was a a whole group of young people and, and children, not as many actually, there were, but there was a whole group of teens there at that point because of the passion to plant the gospel in next generation and minister to them. But the point I want to make is the primary means is the word. The secondary means of getting it, of getting 
it to the ears. That's what next generation ministry has been. The, the means by which God has gotten the message to their ears so people can listen to the message. It's God's job to take it from the ears to the heart. And that's why the word is so paramount in that. But to get it to their ears. And so when I talk about the means now, and we're going to talk about facilities a bit, we're talking about that means today. What we're going to present to you is what we think will be helpful as we go forward. To continue to stoke a passion for next generation ministries. It'll do more than that, but primarily that will be the core. I've been convinced if, if, if that goes where we're located, um, I'm not sure how long we would continue to be here. But how to get it to their ears. This is what we're talking about. Let me, let me give a little history and then we're going to move into the actual resolution and present it to you. Now, just quickly, some of you don't know this, but I'm just going to rattle off some dates. The first sanctuary that we built at Richland was over 100 years ago, in 1910. Second sanctuary is 1959. At that point, a few years later, the first sanctuary was torn down and used to build a fellowship hall. So we had it. when I came, there was a sanctuary and fellowship hall. They weren't connected. 1983, early in our ministry, we, uh, we saw a need, again, to do a better job with youth and children. There were more of them coming. We put a connecting unit between those two buildings and a second story. That was in 1983. Then we remodeled the fellowship hall and the kitchen in 1991, did some work there. And then in 2006, we moved into this sanctuary. So that's kind of a, just a summary. Six or seven years ago, um, we realized that we had put lots of things together, connected lots of buildings together. I just went through all of that. And, and we decided, um, we felt some need for some facilities, but we didn't know what to do. And we thought, wait, we should bring somebody in, look at the, the whole picture, and show us how we could do that best if we were to con- add something to this facility to, to better do some things that we felt like we needed to do. That person came and gave us that plan that sat out in the foyer for a while. It was an overview. It was taking all the things that we saw as needs and putting it and, and gave us kind of a, a, a kind of a master kind of plan. If you were going to get everything you wanted and all of that perfectly, this would be a possibility. Well, what we're going to present to you today now is, is not that plan per se. That was, just, that was just an overview. Give us an idea. So that plan has been taken down. It's not in the foyer. What we are showing you today was helped by that plan, but it is not specific to that plan. So what has changed? Why now? Six or seven years ago that happened. Why are we here today? Here's the reason we're here today. First of all, we've, we have, uh, feel like God has given us wisdom as leaders, the elders, I'm speaking for them, the ability to stage this project. For six or seven years, we, we, we knew it was too big to bite off all at once, and, but we could find no way to stage it. And so we finally decided we'll just we'll just wait on God, we'll quit talking about it very much, and we just waited. And, and now in the last um, months, God has shown us a way and given us the ability to stage the project, which helps enormously, we think. Secondly, we've had the provision of significant additional funds. Not only are we able to stage it, but we've gotten a better nucleus of core funds to do it. Um, so that came together with the ability to stage it. And thirdly, a person has arisen who is willing to oversee the project um, and help us with that part of it. 
we we are going to in this project should it, as it's a, if it's approved we are going to use a combination of contractors and our own people which has been the really the DNA of our church um, we've we've gradually moved from being more our own to starting to use some contractors but still not wanting to lose that dynamic of being able to do some of it ourselves. And so we think this blends those two together and gives us that ability. But we want to do it right. We want to do it well. We want it to be engineered the way it should be engineered, but we want to be able to do some of it ourselves. And so those things have come together, we think, in this project, I think, which will be helpful. So we, we, we formed a subcommittee of elders who kind of serve as putting all of this together, um, looking at the plans along with the individual who is John Fogarty. We'll talk about John more, but John's the one who's going to help us. We've met with him. We've worked with John over the last months. And in consultation with the elders now, we come to you this morning with a resolution that we're going to ask you to vote on next week. It's a three-part resolution, so you're voting on all three of these points. We're asking you to affirm those three, and that will be um, as that's tallied and positive, we will sense that as God's will to continue to move forward in all of this. So that's what you will be voting on. But we want to give you a specific idea of what that looks like. And so the first part of that resolution, coming from the elders now, the elders present it to you as their recommendation of how we should move forward, their discernment of what they think and how they think God is moving us in light of how things have come together. The first part of that resolution, if we can have that this morning, um, is this. And I want you to look at it. It will be this, to complete phase one of the Richland Building Project as presented to the congregation on Sunday, May 5th, 2019, today. As what we're presenting to you, phase one, is, is point number one that we'll ask you to uh, affirm, if you feel like you can, next week. Uh, in this whole project. Let me give a couple of uh, prefaces to this, and then Daryl Tucher, who's part of that committee, the committee of, of the elders, a subcommittee consisted of Daryl Tucher, Wes Palmer, uh, Pastor Jason, and myself, and then John in, in consultation with us. Those five individuals worked on putting this part together. So phase one is this. Um, a couple of things to understand as you see what Daryl, who's going to work from the booth up there, so if you wonder where this voice is coming from, it's coming from up there, and he'll be using a computer to help show you it um, on paper. But it will, our, our intent is that this, what we are going to give you now in phase one, will be immediately usable space. Um, we're not just building some space to have it be cold storage. I mean, we will immediately use this space in, after phase one is completed. And it's going to be constructed in a way, as best we can do it, as God helps us to do it in a way that will not, um, not limit um, future construction in any way. In other words, if, if floors need to be beefed up, walls need to be beefed up, some of that kind of thing will be done. We, we obviously kind of have an idea of where this will go ultimately. And so those things are being put into this structure. I think Daryl will note some of that as we do it so that we, we build phase one, we build it so that we can continue on as God provides um, resources and we see the need and those kinds of things. We'll talk about that as we walk through the resolution. But so that it is immediately usable and it is also leads open possibilities. 
The third thing about that is, this is we're, we're presenting this in a new kind of paradigm. Now, for some of you, this may not be new if you weren't part of old projects, but old projects, sometimes we would present a figure to you of cost, and, and immediately people would say, well, it'll be 20% over that. In other words, this is the cost, so just add 20% to that. And that was kind of the history of building projects for us in the past. I talk, John said a lot of government contracts work that way. This is a different paradigm. Our paradigm is that we are, we are talking about in the second part of this resolution, we'll come to that, uh, a, a not-to-exceed figure. Now, obviously, it's an estimated not-to-exceed, but we're making every, absolutely every effort not to exceed that figure in phase one. So what you're looking at in phase one, we think we've done the homework that needs to be done, built enough cushion into it that it's a not-to-exceed figure when we give you that figure in just a few minutes. So with that said, I'm going to turn it to Daryl, who's up in the booth. You'll need to listen closely. He'll have it on the screen, and he's going to present to you in a picture form of what phase one is. Daryl. Okay. All right. Good morning. Thank you. Um, my plan here for the next uh, few minutes is just to kind of give a quick, um, just a quick overview, so so everybody hopefully can kind of get a feel for what we have and what we're what we're what we're planning to do, um, and and by by way of just getting orientated with it. <clears throat> Just want to start with a. We'll start here with a two-dimensional plan, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll kind of zoom ahead to a three-dimensional plan, and then and then we'll kind of zero in on on, on what the new new structure, uh, where it's going to be, and, and and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So just by by way of of uh, um, getting yourself orientated for for the sake of this plan right here, the top of the screen is is north. Okay, so here would be the youth center or the old sanctuary um, over here. Uh, is is our new sanctuary where we are currently uh, sitting right now, um, and so here's the fellowship hall. Um, you know, in between here would be the um, Pastor Ron and, and Pastor Jason's offices, library, that type of thing. Here's the existing fellowship hall in the middle. Here's the existing kitchen, and and if you if you look this, I kind of got a. It's hard to see here, but that dotted blue line there that that represents the existing west wall of the. Uh, fellowship hall and then and then over in this this corner here is where we're talking about the the uh, the new facility so so that's kind of two-dimensional and just to get you a little better feel we'll we'll um we'll, we'll f- kind of fly over top here so you kind of get a little better idea where everything's at so sometimes it's easy to get lost here but again um we're looking at the, this is the north side of the new sanctuary here's the youth center Here's, um, here's uh, the, like this here would be Pastor Ron's office window right here. These are the windows to the fellowship hall on the north side. And we'll spin it around so you can kind of see the back side. This would be the south side of the facility. Back side of the sanctuary. This, is the, uh, this would be like the nursery and toddler area. And this would be the back wall of, of, the, of the kitchen. So this would be the, that back door coming out the back of the kitchen. So, as you can see, our, our planned uh, uh, addition would be would be this large um, box over here on the on the, the left of our view here, or or the southwest corner of our um, of our facility. So, so I hope that I hope that kind of helps everybody get a get a feel for what what it what it's, uh, we're, we're planning on it for it to look like. So, with that, we're going to go back. We're just going to go back to a, a, a two dimensional view. 
now that you um, hopefully you know where, where you're at. So I'm just going to kind of concentrate on, 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 the, on the proposed building here. Um, so it, it's, it's, uh, I'll just talk some basic specifics, construction specifics. Um, it, it measures 96 feet wide, east and west, 94 feet uh, long or, or, or north and south. So it's, it's almost a, a perfect square. And, um, and then also we, we, we planned it with 20-foot sidewalls. So I don't know if you caught that in the, in the, in the three-dimensional view. If you notice, there's, there's windows kind of way up, way up high here. This, this wall is, is drawn at 20 feet high. And there's also a window up high over there as well. So, again, 96 by 94 by, uh, with the sidewalls being 20 feet high. Uh, and, and, and we'll talk about some of that reasoning here in just a little bit. So, basically, this, this structure would have to be built with a... Um, uh, we can't quite be tight to the existing building. We have to leave a little bit of a gap there for, for construction purposes purposes. So that dotted blue line again there, that represents the existing west wall. There'll be about a four-foot gap in between there to dig footings and, and allow, for, uh, allow for construction in between there. And so uh, in, in part of phase one would be um, the, the construction of this uh, 94 by 96 box. And then once, that, once those walls get, get up and, and, and uh, closed in, um, we, would, we would come and I want to talk a little bit about this connecting area here. So we would, we would, we would finish, finish filling in this four-foot space. We would pour concrete in there. And then also this, this connecting area between the existing kitchen and the new structure, we would fill that in with concrete as well and, uh, and then fill the walls in. And then I don't know if you caught that on this 3D view, but we would also close that roof in over top of all of that to close all of that in. So, and so, so we'll go back to the to the two dimensional view again. And so, one, once this is all, all closed in and, and connected, um, uh, in inside the structure for phase one, um, as far as what's happening inside the new structure, um, basically the, the the mechanical room would be built to just allow uh, space for uh, heating, cooling, air conditioning, electrical, water, those type of things. And then also in the same corner, we wouldn't finish the bathrooms, but the plumbing would be roughed in there for, uh, for a couple of bathrooms and drinking fountain and that type of thing. So that would be, that, that in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of phase one. And as Ron mentioned too, it would be finished. Um, um, there wouldn't be a carpet on the floor or floor covering. It would be a concrete floor, but it would be finished to the point. And, and just kind of a quick example, if, if this would have been finished, we, it would have been finished to the point where we could have had last Sunday's uh, uh, graduation meal in there, so it, it it will be you know lit up and heated and cooled and and that's all part of uh, of, of phase one, and then also as Pastor Ron mentioned, we, we we tried to plan this out and work through this so we didn't uh, limit ourselves for future uh, future use future construction, so so uh, if if needs arise and and when we plan on working forward past phase one. Um, it would be, and, and so part of that is I'm going to go back to that 20-foot sidewall. Why, why would we build a 20-foot sidewall? But so basically, what we could do in the future, we could we could come in here and put walls up here, and also.
Last, uh, oh, there we go. Sorry. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, so anyways, we would, we, uh, would have the, the, the ability to, to drop these, to put some walls in here. And, and if, if you can imagine that, this, this would be um, possible uh, classroom space. And that's, again, where, where those tall windows uh, come, come into play. So if you think about it, we, these 20-foot sidewalls would, would allow us to drop a floor system in here and have room for classroom space or storage space below and and above in that in that area. Same thing over here, some storage. Um, and then again, by using this connecting area here, we could open this up for possible uh, kitchen uh, uh, renovation, serving line, that type of thing, open it up into the new, uh, this new uh, multi-use facility here. So, but that is not part of phase one, um, but just, just to kind of highlight what we talked about, not limiting ourselves to uh, 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 future use here. So, um, so I'll get rid of those walls for now. Um, that's about it in a, in a, in a nutshell. Um, I don't think I have any more, uh, Pastor Ron. Um, the reason it's important to see what phase one is and is not, and we'll ask, after the service is over, you're welcome to come up and ask questions. Tonight you can ask questions. This week you can ask questions. But we want to make clear what phase one is because as we move now to the second resolution, that we're going to talk about this morning is the second part of that is that uh, we are asking part of the part of the vote first of all approving phase one of what we told you it was secondly to secure a line of credit for a hundred thousand dollars from our investment foundation at our headquarters in a sense you're borrowing it from yourself because it comes from our own investment center but that's part, that's the second part of the resolution. And in this, I want to give you budget numbers now a bit to, un- to understand why we're asking for that as part of the vote. Uh, phase one is, I said, a not-to-exceed figure. It's, it's, and we, we really are wor- working really hard up front, and as we go through the project, to hold to this figure, which is the figure we'd give you is 620000 That is the figure that we are attempting to, to stay under and think we can and will in phase one. Uh, so we've, we've worked hard up front to make that the case. But right now we have 565000 on hand. So you can see there's a shortfall in what we have on hand and thus the part of the need for the borrowing, part of the need why we feel like we need to secure it. We may never use it possibly um, if funds come in, resources come, but we are... Uh, securing that. You have to jump through hoops to that. The district had to approve it, which they did. We will have to approve it in a vote. Anytime money is borrowed, the congregation has to approve that kind of a, of a thing. So, um, and then thirdly, the third reason for that, um, the shortfall, obviously, but then also you say, well, 565, 620, if we did spend 620, that's, you know, what, 55,000 there, I think, if I'm doing the math right. What about why, why 100? Um, so point number two is to permission to borrow. Move to point number three. The, the reason is because of point number three. This is the third part of the resolution. Um, and that is that we would move forward to further construction beyond phase one as the elder board determines needs, sets priorities, and funds are available. That, that statement, funds are available, if you approve the 100000 could be some of those excess borrowed funds or other funds that come to the project. 
Um, we, aren't, we aren't voting to do that right away, although you are giving permission in this vote for the elders then to oversee the process of the possibility if funds are available and, and we have enough um, volunteer labor, which this is what, what I think will happen in this, is what the history has been. We are, we are going to construct this building at a time when there's going to be availability of labor and people who are willing to help. And so to have those excess funds, um, even in that borrowed amount, then allows if the elders, but again, it'll have to be the elders will discern the need, set the priority, and as funds are available, um, move to further construction beyond phase one. Uh, in the construction, possibly. But the figure, the $620,000 figure, is, is phase one, okay, just to understand that, keep those two things um, different. No further borrowing either. The third thing about that is when you set that $100,000 figure, no further borrowing would be done beyond that. Um, no other credit would be uh, secured unless there was another vote. That would be the thing that might necessitate another vote at another time, but... Um, but it can't be done unless there is a vote. So the, the cap on the project of borrowed funds with this vote will be $100,000 um, that can, can be borrowed. So those are the three points of the resolution again. You're proving phase one as we described it, and you can certainly ask questions to make sure you understand that. We, we really want you to ask questions if you don't understand what phase one is because that has to do with that not-to-exceed figure. Secondly, the permission to borrow $100,000 or secure a line of credit of $100,000 that could be used, and it could move us then beyond phase one into that, that stage where the elders discern need, set priorities, and have available funds to continue some construction throughout the, the, the fall and winter months, possibly, uh, with, that, with that resolution. Um, let, me, let me just share the time frame here, and then we're going to close this, so we don't want to hold, unduly hold you this morning. Some of you may have other things. We, we aren't planning to keep you long here. Um, the time frame for all of this is this. The questions, again, as I said, after dismissal, you're welcome to come up front. The elders, the building board will be up here and try to answer those questions. Tonight, there's a local church conference meeting. Our annual local church conference is being held, our yearly meeting that we always have, and, and we'll... We will take questions there that you may have. Uh, it, this is a highlight as you go out this morning. This booklet is available, which has the budget that will be approved tonight at the local church conference. That's a separate item than what I'm doing here, but it is. So take a copy of this. You also will take home with you a copy of, of the resolution that we just talked about. It's the red copy, and behind that is, is a diagram like was on the screen. So you'll be able to take that with you this morning. And so at the local church conference, you can ask questions. You certainly can talk to the elders or those that were on that subcommittee of the building committee uh, this week. And then a vote will happen next Sunday. The congregational vote will happen next Sunday morning at the close of the service. We'll, we'll do that quickly so it won't hold you long. We know it's Mother's Day. We'll make sure it doesn't take a lot of time to do that. Uh, we'll, we'll take the vote and then announce it subsequent to that. Uh, we are making arrangements, if you can't be here next week and want to vote, to vote absentee. So you'll just have to contact the office. We'll make arrangements for that to happen if you want to vote absentee. And the other thing that we have had a custom of doing at Richland is allowing, allowing everyone to vote, both those who are officially members and those who, who may not have officially joined but are a part of our body and been here. Um, we want both to vote. We will have to differentiate that by 
the different colored ballot because that's part of our bylaws. We have to do that. But we do want everybody to speak to it. So uh, we want all of you. And we're setting that age at, at age 18. If you're 18 or above, you're welcome to participate in that vote. Um, the, the, uh, a positive vote, if, if we come out of next week and what the elders have been sensing is affirmed by the congregation um, and we come positively out of that, then what would happen over the next weeks would be we would sign contracts immediately with Huff Construction, who are the ones who are going to construct the, the uh, building for us, do the bulk of that, do affect all of that for us. Uh, they will we'll sign contracts. The metal will be ordered immediately. It takes about a three-month window to get that. So in the meantime, dirt, foundation work, anything prepping the land and the ground would be done uh, then. And then the building would be constructed by Huff. And uh, where we would really begin to need our own people in, in phase one is in that connecting of those two buildings. We're planning to, to do that connecting of the buildings ourselves. And so there's where John's expertise will come in to help us and coordinate that with our own volunteer people. And that little area that's being filled in right by the kitchen, that would be part of what we would do ourselves and is, is budgeted that way. So Huff would basically construct that building and, uh, and then the connecting part would be ours to do that. Um, and then, uh, again, we don't know, we're part, of, part of phase one and the budget of 620 is what we've shown to you, but as, as the months go on, this, this winter, fall, this winter, whenever the building kind of gets enclosed, gets connected, there may be some real possibilities to, con- to go inside of that building and begin to do some work, but that's separate than phase one, you understand that, that will be, that will be directed by the elders as money is available, as need, and as priorities are set. So that's basically the presentation that we have for you this morning. Um, and I'm sure there probably are some questions, and we want to make sure you ask those questions because we want to make sure we've communicated correctly and that you know exactly what that vote is entailing and what it may not be if you misheard what we said or we misspoke this morning in some way. So with that, uh, it's good to have you here. We're glad you've come. I'm going to just have you stand. We're going to pray together and be dismissed officially. But again, elders, if you can stay, come forward and be up here. The building board, John, if you can be here. And then Peter's going to be in the foyer. Um, he, if you have questions for him, he'll be there. You certainly can, can interact with Peter, and it's been good to have him with us as well. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we are grateful for the fact that we can look to you and that you help us, Lord. You, you raise up leaders. You raise up uh, people to, to, uh, to, to attempt to discern your purposes and will. And I'm grateful for the elders. Um, we have come to the consensus as this is what we ought to present to the congregation and have been unanimous in that, Lord. And now we just ask that, that you will continue to help us discern your purposes and your will as collectively as the congregation um, hears this and, and we come back together next Sunday morning, Father. We're grateful. We're grateful for those who have, have given time to it, but we're most grateful, Father, for your help in it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in God's peace or come and ask questions.